Well, good afternoon, everyone. My phone says it's three o'clock, so we'll get started for our last session before the demo slam today. My name is Wes Fryer, and I hail from Oklahoma City. It's great to see some friendly Lubbock faces that I haven't seen in a while. Oklahoma City faces here, too. Lots of people going Google. And today we're going to talk about Google Hangouts 101. How many of you have been in a Google Hangout where you've actually connected as one of the participants? How many of you have watched one online? All right, how many of you have never done anything with Google Hangouts before? All right, so we've got a wide variety of folks. Um, the handout for today is this presentation, which includes these embedded videos. And you can actually Google West Fryer Handouts, and the first page you'll get is the Google site that I use for presentations so that you can get uh, copies of these. Um, do you remember the Jetsons? Yes. Anybody have, do you remember how Mr. Spacely would always sort of try to jump in on George and, George, what's going on? And he'd be this large, you know, video conferenced image on the walls, I think. Am I remembering that right? Yes. Intervening with him. Um, you know, that probably wasn't the the best vision of what video conferencing would do for us professionally would be to have a, a boss like Mr. Spacely, you know, peering over our shoulder uh, during the day. But how many of you have used video conferencing to connect to family uh, members? All right. So by a show of hands, how many of us have FaceTimed, used an iOS device like an iPhone to do a FaceTime connection? How many have used Skype to be able to connect? All right. My son is in Berlin right now with a group of 20 students from his school on a, a month-long uh, trip. And we learned about Viber, V-I-B-E-R, which is a huge app in lots of other worlds. Uh, or lots of other worlds. Lots of other worlds that are secret. I can't tell you about it. But if we go to Area 51, I will. Um, no, it... Um, it's a Skype-like voice over the internet phone app. And so we were having brunch in Oklahoma City at Joey's last Saturday. And we get a Viber, you know, push message. Alexander's calling, you know, and it's just, it's about 9 o'clock there in Germany. It's, you know, after almost 1 in Oklahoma City. Just amazing to be able to do that. But in order to do multi-person calls, it's a little more challenging. How many of you have used a tool to do a multi-party, like more than two people video conference? So that's a lot fewer. We've got a few hands. We have you know five or, five or six. But the options for video conferencing have really exploded, and they've also migrated from these room systems that are you know pretty doggone expensive to... Uh, being able to do these things on our, our handheld mobile devices. Um, I see folks from Lubbock. I was in Lubbock uh, for 14 years, and from 2001 to 2006 was the director of distance learning at Texas Tech. And we got a grant to uh, buy these Polycom F uh, FX units. They were like about $8,000, and you could put one of these in a classroom, and, ha and you, you know, we could video conference for virtual field experience. You know, we've been doing video conferencing for a while, but the opportunity to do this uh, with our devices without spending thousands of dollars is, is really a pretty exciting thing. Google Hangouts offer 
a number of benefits compared to some of the other options that are available. And I still, by the way, really like traditional video conferencing. I've taught the last three semesters for the University of Montana from my living room with a Tanberg video conference unit, and I connected up to like eight different sites all over Montana. And it's, there's a lot of value and benefit to those room-based systems, the reliability, having a tech support person on the line who can help us. Um, but being able to do this from your house without expensive equipment and without a connection to a university or a major institution is really a big deal. And so in this session, we're going to talk a little bit about the features of Google Hangouts, um, some techniques that you can use to go ahead and not only start one right away, but be able to uh, schedule one that's going to be in the future. Um, since we've got this window up that kind of shows the screen a little bit, down here at the bottom we have the participants, and you can have up to 10 people participating simultaneously in the Hangout, but you can also have lots of people who are watching and observing. And those people who watch and observe can also interact with you in several ways, one of which is to turn on a Q&A feature. And I just learned about two weeks ago how to do that, and you do that by clicking the Q&A tool after you set up the Hangout. And then it becomes available for you to have these questions come in, and then you can click on them as you answer them. Um, do any of you have children who watch YouTube or Twit TV with gaming, and a big part of their life is spent consuming video content? Um, who just bought Twitch? Twitch TV. I didn't mean Twit TV. Twits, that's different. Uh, Twitch. Yeah. Twitch TV. Twit TV is, the, is uh, This Week in Tech. It's Leo Laporte's network out of California, and it's lots of, of audio and video podcasts. Uh, who just bought Twitch? Was it YouTube that bought Twitch? You might think, why in the heck would somebody be interested in that? But is the gaming business a big business in our country? Way bigger than Hollywood. There was an NPR report I listened to. I listened, their tech podcast is really awesome. They take some of the top, top tech stories of the whole week and just put it into about a 20 or 30 minute podcast. It's free. And it talked about this guy in Montana, coincidentally, who is you know, living out where he can still get an internet connection, but he plays video games professionally and broadcasts and records and is earning a... Uh, a really reasonable income, uh, more than most school teachers, I think, you know, playing uh, video games uh, on, online. So these are the participants that are here in the side. Over here on the left, we have options to choose to, to make changes to our settings and to share things. The thing I like most about the Google Hangout, besides being able to you know, have this synchronous conference with multiple folks on mobile devices or on laptops or desktops, is to share a Google document. Because a lot of times when I will have a meeting on a Hangout, we're planning, we're organizing. We've organized two ed camps in Oklahoma City all through Google Hangouts, and it's all been through Google Docs, and we haven't actually gotten together as a group until the event face-to-face. -face. But virtually, we've gotten together a lot. So I'd like to go ahead and... Uh, I've got a couple videos that I've embedded in here. I did. I don't normally, I usually use Keynote on my Mac to present, but being a Google event, I feel inspired to need to use my Google tools. So I don't know yet how to use my remote control to start my video from the front of the room. So a 60-second overview of Google Hangouts.
wish we could go back to those those times when nothing is planned because I think things you can let things unfold. We never let things unfold anymore. It's so scheduled, and I think the unfolding, you know, being bored is so fantastic for creativity. I think being adults with having so little time, we tend to schedule everything, so there's a little bit of a surprise that's missing. Okay, so this video is targeted at a consumer audience, not an educator audience. Um, I'm going to mute this, and one of the things I sometimes like doing with video is doing a turn, pair, and share, and ha still having it play. This will kind of time our activity, because I know when the video is done, 53 seconds will have elapsed. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor, introduce yourself quickly, and talk about this video in the context of education. Is there a place for ad hoc I didn't plan it, but we want to just do it now kinds of connections, right? Talk to your neighbor, please. You have 60 seconds. I'm sorry, what? What do you, what do you think about ad hoc? But what about the ad hoc stuff? Why would we need that? Why would that be beneficial? The best learning can come from random questions. The race, best brainstorming sometimes comes from discussions that go different places, from connections that we make. What else? Learning is so much easier when it's self-initiated. When I go out looking for information, I learn it faster than if you're trying to right. And this is a big difference in, in learning, right? We used to have to come to the place. Do you remember Ask Eric searches? You remember going to the library with microfish? Mm -hmm. you know, people were like, what are you talking about? I mean, it used to be really, really hard to find information, especially the specific information that you want. Today, our challenge is filtering information and 
it, you know, we're overwhelmed with information, there's different challenges. So uh, I was sharing that some of my best connections have been not the scheduled things, but the ad hoc kind of impromptu things. I was in Chicago last October, actually before I went back in the classroom, and my wife was teaching her kids, and we said, why don't we Skype? We didn't do a hangout, we did a Skype, but I was by the Chicago River with my iPhone and showing the kids the boats, and then I, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to Michigan Avenue, and they, they talked to the Nike store. So I took them on a whole tour using my phone of the Nike store, and one of the, the guys working there had played college ball and talked to them about what he studied and showed them, and I don't know if this was great because her kids are already all thinking they need $100 shoes, uh, but anyway, you want to see, design your own shoe, and you know, we, they have every Air Jordan ever made in the Nike store on Michigan Avenue. That was so cool, and, and how did that happen? Well, we have this connection, right? But we also have these tools. So, um, you can schedule Google Hangouts. You, you can set these up for a, for a group to gather. But you can also do other things that are not possible with some of these other tools like FaceTime or Skype. So, similarities and differences. As I said, same. It's free. You need the, the bandwidth and you need the, uh, the devices, but you don't have to pay for the call. Uh, they are mobile, so I can be on my iPad. I could be on my phone. I've learned you can't initiate the Google Hangout. So if I'm the host and I'm the one who's starting it, I have to be on a laptop or desktop computer to start it. Because I tried, couldn't do that. If you figured out how to do it, let me know. Um, but it is, it's quite remarkable the way in which we can be geographically agnostic. I could be on the road here at summertime. Where are you? I mean, cell phones have changed that with us. I, I learned this when I worked for AT&T for two years. We don't so much call places anymore. We call people, right? And I'm sure we've all received calls where we're like, do they have any idea where I am you know, right now? Um, and being able to, to do this, whether we're at home or it, it blurs boundaries. Uh, that also presents challenges, let me say. We heard Ken talk about technology and anxiety. I thought that was a great discussion this morning. I was reminded of Neil Postman. I don't know if you read any of his books, Technopoly, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Teaching as a Subversive Activity. He's an awesome uh, author. He passed away in 2003. But I've just been watching some of his lectures on YouTube, and Postman says there are always unanticipated impacts to technology like the blurring of the lines, right? I say, ooh, Google Hangout, it could be anywhere, anytime. Has anyone had a boss who took advantage of the fact that any, anytime, anywhere, you know, they could reach out and touch you with a text message or a phone call or an email? So we're navigating challenging times where the boundaries are different. I used to leave school and, you know, yes, we took schoolwork home, but we didn't have this opportunity to be in the, in, the, in the teaching world at, at any point. I mean, we can connect to this. There's good sides, there's bad sides. The good side of this is um, all we need really is a, a Google account. We can be on Wi-Fi, or now we can be on the high-speed cellular network. 4G or LTE that we have in the urban areas, that's how in October of last year I was in Chicago connecting to my wife's class with pretty cool quality, you know, right from my phone. I didn't have to find a Wi-Fi hotspot in order to make that happen. Um, to give you a little sense of time, in 2007, I went to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, for the dedication of the USS Oklahoma Memorial, and we were going to set up a video conference. Honolulu was still on edge. They had not gone to 3G. 
So thankfully, the fire station on Ford Island let us borrow their cable internet. We plugged in and moved their fire truck out. And we had these World War II you know, survivors of the USS Oklahoma video conference back and tell their stories. Crazy. That was 2007. Now we have LTE internet that's faster than my home cable broadband. So that's that. You know, you need a high-speed connection, but those are more available than ever, especially in our urban areas. There is not an audio-only hangout. You can choose not to share your camera if you want, but uh, it will record video and it will also archive. Document sharing, I already mentioned. I think that's a gigantic feature. You can create a document in advance that you share, or you can just on the fly uh, share a document, and it will share it with everyone who is inside your hangout. You'll have to choose later if you want to make it public for others. But the ability to collaborate right there on a document is the number one best thing I think Google Hangouts offers. Up to 10 participants together. Um, but then this is probably, I don't know, it's hard to say, but it's definitely one of the best features, a YouTube archive. Who can remember when it was hard to put video on the web? Can you remember that? Oh yeah, Wes, that was last year. Yeah. That was two months ago. No, um, YouTube, I think, started in 2006. Back when, when I was at uh, Texas Tech, I remember we were helping professors and, and students record videos of their teaching, and we were trying to put those in their portfolios. And we found most West Texas principals didn't care about watching a video of your... But it was also hard. Even if you got video on the web, did you have the plug-in? you remember that? Oh, you had to have QuickTime. You had to have, you know, all these things. So the fact that if you set up your Hangout on air, which I'll be talking about here... It can be archived for free, and there are limits to how long. I, I talked to a friend the other day who had tried to do this in their classroom with, um, I think, uh, baby, I don't know if they were baby birds that were hatching. They may have been chicks that were hatching, and they thought, oh, let's just do a Google Hangout. We'll leave it on, like, all night. Well, there's, there's some point at which it times out, you know, after, like, five or six hours or something. But you can, you can do a 10-minute meeting. We re regularly do hour-long meetings with the K-12 online conference and with our ed camps, and, and those are archived online. When it's archived, you can choose if you want to restrict access, you want to make that unlisted so people need to have the link, or it can be publicly available. And, of course, fun effects. So, yes, you can be the pirate, you can have the birthday hat on, uh, you can really distract folks and... Um, probably look much more, you know, much sillier than you might normally in a Google Hangout if you choose that option. Um, actually, would you mind just uh, by the laptop there, just hit the play button, and I'll save me a trip to go back. This is a, another Google ha Google Hangout ad. Yeah, just hit play there. Maybe, and just click on the left side to track that. Oh, one more time. Maybe, maybe click down here on the. Oh, the Thank you. 
with laptops in Floydata in like 2004 maybe when they got their laptops I heard Apple talk about that it's when your charge uh, is, is you know going down and, and your buddies is too so you buddy breathe so you breathe a little bit of power and then you share it with your buddies so you're, you're buddy breathing your electricity <laughs> what was the difference be- between these videos how did how did the focus change the first one was, was sort of a one-to-one communication, while the second one was a one-to-many. So it was kind of there like you go. Between, are, are you a Clay Shirky reader? I am not. You're not? Well, that Clay Shirky talks about um, that idea about one-to-one to one or one-to-a-defined number versus one-to-many and, and a potentially unlimited number. He possibly stole that from me. He might have. He may have been hanging out. You know, if he has some, if he knows this Ed Snowden guy and some of these NSA guys, you know, they may have had a wire or something. Yeah. So, yes, this is a shift from thinking about just our personal lives and these connections we're making to friends and colleagues and, and family to this idea of broadcasting for a global audience or being the audience for someone else who is broadcasting and connecting. So I want to mention, and I will play a a quick introductory video for the Google Connected Classrooms Project. How many of you have helped a classroom of students somewhere in your life 
uh, have a virtual field trip that involved video talking back and forth? How many folks have, have done that? All right. What, were, what did those involve, those of you that have done that? What kinds of things did you did you do? We just Skyped with, I, this is really strange. I met a guy from Australia on Words With Friends. Okay. We've been playing for like three years. Really? <laughs> That's and wild. One of, and I, I'm a, a, a social media specialist, but one of the classes, PT classes, were studying in Australia. So I emailed him and hooked them up, and that class got to Skype with him and his family about Australia and what was happening. That's crazy. Words with friends to Australia. And that reminds me, and I had even forgotten about this, uh, Sue Waters, who is in Australia and works with Edublogs. I had connected with her before. And we were trying to do video conferencing with our, with our you know, kids, and it did, didn't work in time as hard with them. It is very hard. She arranged for a sea captain to video conference, and this was, I think, just over Skype. You know, to our living room in Edmond, and my three children and wife and I were there listening to this sea captain tell these stories about what it was like on the open ocean with pirates and dolphins and these other things. And it wasn't words with friends that got us connected. But, uh, you never know. Where and we still talk. Friends. In fact, I was the Great Barrier Reef, and they're talking about he. We still chat through words with friends, and he's fishing on the Great Barrier. So both of our stories are personal connections, right? We we had a personal connection in some way with a person in another place, and then on top of that connection, we, we have this video conference. How about somebody else who's done in the back? You said you've done some video conferencing? What was it? Who was it through? <laughs> Uh, another, a couple of ones I got one where I lived in Thailand for a year, so I just connected back with some of my students that I had in Thailand with the students that I had here. And I also had uh, 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 someone who was helping in an orphanage in the Philippines. And so we described that orphanage in the Philippines to show like what that would look like and the kids that were there. Wow. How about you? We video conferenced with an author. Okay. And were you able to sign up to do that author visit, or how did the how did the video conference get set up? Yes, it was planned. It was planned. Like and then scheduled from the site. Did you have a personal connection to the author, or no. did you? Okay. So I think this is a really interesting thing that if you consider classroom virtual field trips, um, some of them are going to be scheduled. But like NASA, I, I did get to set up some when my kids were in Edmond through the NASA Digital Learning Network. And it was about the Mars rover, and, and it was over video conference, and we, we set that up. This is that same kind of idea, like the uh, contact an author. There's great organizations. Uh, the one I, I like to use a lot is called the CILC, the Center for Interactive Learning and Collaboration, CILC.org. You know, there's different folks, authors that are doing virtual field trips. One of my favorites, there's someone who lives on a reindeer farm, like in you know Michigan or Minnesota, you know, and the kids can can connect and being able to do that kind of of live synchronous stuff. Um, I would encourage you to think about both pathways to video conferencing. One pathway being the personal connection, like you said, back to Thailand, you had you know students there, you had connections with with folks. You've got their you know cell phone number, their email. If you can get the time right, and that's challenging when we go across the, the planet, and sometimes kids have to stay after school or have an evening kind of thing at school, and you know other students are, are awake but that are in, in class. Um, but that's one pathway. Another pathway would be exemplified by this Google Connected Classrooms. These are events that are being scheduled on a regular basis. Any of us can sign up to participate. 
Um, I really, the, one of the ones I did recently with students was Discovery Education has a, an awesome one they do with the polar bears um, up by you know, Hudson Bay, and they have these awesome huge rovers, and they go out and see the polar bears, and, um, you know, kids have a chance, some of them, to ask questions over video, but they also allow you to text in questions. The whole thing about this is the excitement a lot of times comes from the interaction, right? Immediacy is created through video conferencing. A, a video that's on YouTube doesn't really have immediacy. You can go see it anytime you want. But when it's live, okay, guys, we got to connect. we got to get ready. It creates that immediacy for us to gather around. And Hangout can do that as well. And uh, a field trip can do that. But anyway, I, I think we ought to explore that a little bit more because my... My working hypothesis would be that a lot of teacher video conferences happen because of those personal connections, like connecting to my wife when I was on a trip. Think about your own students and their parents. Do your parents and your kids sometimes travel places? Maybe it's not even out of town. Maybe it's in their place of work, right? What potential is there to bring in other experiences through these mobile devices that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? There are also interesting dynamics that happen, like when I have a friend that I care about and I share that with my students, they may start to care about that friend and have a connection. It, it builds schema. It builds background experience and I was an exchange student in high school. I think we all need to probably do more international hosting of students and having our kids you know, be able to travel. And I just know that when you have a friend in another place, that country on that map has a different meaning for you because you know a person and a family and a face. So anyway, it's, it's good stuff to explore. I'm going to uh, go ahead and show this video. This is about the Google Connected Classrooms project. And, and like I said, this is one that any of us can sign up to participate in. And these are scheduled all the time. And some of these are pretty phenomenal. Anybody know where the volume control is? Is it? I don't know where the remote is. Oh gosh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It's okay. I don't think it's horrible. Today we yeah, it is. virtual trip schools from across the country were able to join us via a Google Hangouts. It's really easy to connect us with a whole wide world. It's only in the projector. Yeah, that's right. There's a remote. There might be a little remote to keep us on that. Okay. Do octopuses see a color? Ah, very big question. Actually, no, they do not. They are colorblind. We are, for the first time in history, with this space station, we're leaving Earth. And it is just too good an experience not to share. Let's say hello, Max. Say hi, Max.
So two stories come to my mind about these field trips, um, and I think I think back to think back to Lubbock. When we had these Polycom FX units, they were like $8,000. We had one at Murphy Elementary in Shea Troutman's class, where, coincidentally, my son was in kindergarten. And we set up a virtual field trip with the Buffalo Zoo. Goodness gracious, the amount of coordination, the amount of equipment, the, the steps required to set that up was pretty incredible. And guess what? That was the only one we did all year. But... It was one of the only ones my students ever participated, my kids personally, ever participated in at all. Today, because of tools like or Google Connected Classrooms and the fact that our devices can video conference, it opens the door for these kinds of connections. And you never know where that kind of learning, especially when it gets to be passion-based, where kids are excited about it. I love the ocean. I'm excited about octopus and sharks. And, you know, where is that learning going to take us? So here's your West Fryer challenge for this session, all right? My challenge to you for this session, we're not done, so it's not like a concluding statement, but um, is to this next school year to do two kinds of video conferences. One would be the scheduled kind. Google Connected Classroom or something else. Sign up for a scheduled video conference to let your kids participate and interact. It could be through Discovery Education. It could be through the CILC. There's a lot of different groups doing it. The other kind would be that personal kind where you have a friend, a relative, a family member. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe they're not even outside of town. Maybe they're working as, you know, a bank officer or a bank teller. Maybe they are, you know, working for a manufacturing company or working for who knows who. But they are, they're equipped with what? A mobile device. Right? They've got an iPhone or an Android phone that can run Google Hangout, and they can make that kind of a connection. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the specifics of how to set this up and some of the differences. First off, you do not need to set up a Google Hangout on air. There are two big types of Google Hangouts, and the first one really goes with that first video. It's the personal, hey, spontaneous, let's connect, you know. Have you done that with family before where you're talking on the phone and you're like, let's go to video, you know, and you can switch on the phone. We haven't done a Google Hangout as a family, but we definitely, with the phone, have said, let's make, you know, can we FaceTime? Are you guys on Wi-Fi? That's what we used to have to say. Now, if they're on a high-speed connection, you know, we can do that. We had one just Sunday night with, with, my, with my mom and my dad. Um, grandparents, right? That's another important thing. How many of you work with teachers helping them use technology? Okay. How many of you, that's not your official job, but you're asked to do it anyway? Okay. So the personal use is critical. In order to step in front of a bunch of students, whether they're middle school, high school, whatever age, and using new technology involves a lot of risk-taking, we need to get comfortable with it. So encouraging other teachers to do this with your parents. Let your children connect to their grandchildren. See how that works. That can really help in this journey of becoming more comfortable with those kinds of tools. So, in order to start a video hangout, uh, you will do that when you are in Google+. And so you go to plus.google.com. There's a tab that you click on to go to the Hangouts tab. And this is where you can start multiple kinds of hangouts. One of the things that Google wants us to do, and it's very helpful when you're doing hangouts, is to build circles. 
and a circle is basically a collection of folks that you know share something in common. So when I'm helping organize a conference, sometimes now I will create a circle because I can invite that circle. I don't have to remember and get all the Gmails or all the Google accounts of the people who are going to connect. So in order to start a video hangout, you will go to Google Plus, click Hangouts, and you can right here click the Start one. Now, that is not going to let you schedule the Hangout. In order to schedule one, as far as I know, and I could be wrong about this, but I've been doing quite a few of these in the last like, year and a half, um, you need to schedule a Hangout on air. A Hangout on air will allow you to record it, but you don't have to. And even if you do record it, it doesn't have to be public. You can change the settings to make it private or to make it unlisted. But whether you're going to start a Hangout that starts right now on air or you want to schedule one, that's what you click on, start a Hangout on air. Now, here's a cool trick. Any of you know Ginny Majera, Ms. Majera on Twitter? So all of us should follow Ginny Majera. Um, and I've got her uh, Twitter ID, uh, Ms. Majera. She is in Chicago Public Schools. I got to see her at our National Computing Conference in San Antonio last year, and she is a true Yoda of Google tools. You know what I'm saying? She's the, a master of Google tools. And so she had told me about this trick, that this is a bit.ly link. Bit.ly is a shortened URL service. Google has goo.gl. You've probably seen tiny URL. It's a way to take a long link and make it short. If you use this URL, bit.ly.startbyhoa, it's going to immediately start a hangout that you can put people's addresses in. But that's the trick. You've got to have them in a circle that you create in Google+, or you need to have their Google account, that could be their Gmail or whatever email they use as a Google account, in order to invite them. So this is what it looks like um, when you are clicking to, to, to uh, start. It is going to pop up a menu that asks you to, to send your invitation and to choose who to send it to. What I found is helpful, if I don't have a circle built, is to just have everyone's email separated by commas. In fact, my, one of my favorite Mac apps is called Text Wrangler. It's free. It's just a text editor that supports really powerful searching and grip searching. It's a very geeky thing, but it's really great when you work with text and you want to replace that. Anyway, I use Text Wrangler all the time to have text and, and just copy and paste stuff and have a, have a place to put it. I want to save it, I put it in the Evernote. But that's what you need to put in here. It's got to be their Google account. Why? because they won't get the pop-up invitation if it's not their Google account. And so you need to either add them by email address, have them in a circle, or you can type them. And if, if you've put them in a Google circle before, they should pop up. But that process can really be streamlined by having their Google account emails right in a separated comma list that you copy and paste and put in. In fact, that's probably my number one tip you know, for doing this that I found because sometimes, you know, the Google Hangout was supposed to start three minutes ago and I'm panicked and trying to get this to go and I've learned if I have all those addresses, my blood pressure is better because I can paste it in and we can go. This is going to be the link that they're, they're going to have to join the Hangout and that other people are going to have to join the Hangout. And the other thing that you can do once you are scheduling this and you say start a Google Hangout, 
is you have the option to click this tab which says later. You don't want to start it right now. In fact, I've never, I don't think, started a Google Hangout right away. These are things that I schedule and set up in advance. And so you, even though it says start a Hangout, and that sounds like that's right now, that's how you do it. Click that and then choose later, and then you select the time and date that you want. You will select a duration or an estimated duration. You can go beyond that, that's fine. And then you choose your audience. If you include public, then other people are going to see on your Google profile that you have set this up and they would be able to, uh, to observe it, to watch it, if you choose to start the Hangout on air. In other words, once you start, once people connect, you are, it's kind of like you're backstage a little bit before you go out on the stage for everyone to watch. And you can just stay backstage and talk, you know, but it won't record and other people can't actually go into it until you click start. Um, put your details in here. That's how people know what this is. If you put a link, it will make it hyperlink. So if it's an event, you know, people can click on that to get more information. And you can go ahead and click share. Um, there is a, a good, as there are for all Google tools, tutorial online that will kind of take you through the steps of getting started with, with Hangouts on Air. And um, like I mentioned with the question and answer app, that's something that I, I just you know, played with recently and um, finally learned that you ha where, you, where you start that. So what I'd like to do now is basically just take you through these steps and then we'll see what questions you have about the process. Uh, one of the things to know as far as Google Apps is not all schools are going to have Google Hangouts turned on, and there are privacy issues with that. Our school district, okay, here's a, here's a cool trick. Do you know how to um, switch between your Google accounts and Chrome like this? So if you don't know how to do this and you have multiple accounts, this can, this can save you a lot of time. When you go into your preferences, on the Mac it's Chrome preferences, or like on the PC, and you can do it here too, click on... Someone called that the hot, those the hot dogs. Have you ever heard that before? Hot, hot dogs? Which was the hamburger? The hamburger, okay. So yeah, whatever, those three lines. You go into your settings and you can set up different users and you can create a new user. So I have an account for my graduate class that I teach and then for our school and then for me. So uh, that's very handy because if I need to switch to my school account, I can go there and I can check my mail. And I, I haven't actually figured this out yet. I don't really want to have Google Plus on both. But our school didn't have Google Plus or didn't have Google Hangouts turned on. Actually, Google, um, and they still might not. I think we, I think we have it turned on now. But anyway, that's an issue when you use a Google Apps for Education account is do they have that turned on or not. Most of the Google Hangouts I've done have been on my personal Gmail account. But as long as it's turned on for your school account, you should be able to do this um, from, your, from a school Gmail as well as from, from a, a personal one. So over here, I'm, I went to plus.google.com. All right, so that's how we're going to get to uh, all these choices. And then under Home, we've got these options, and one of these is Hangouts. And you can click on Hangouts here to get to that screen that I saw a little earlier. Again, I'll zoom in in the bottom right corner. And if you're, hopefully this doesn't make you sick. I have a friend that every time I zoom in like this on my screen, she feels like she's at the IMAX theater and says, Wes, I get sick at the IMAX. Don't do that. Um, but it's kind of nice to, to be able to zoom in. This is the bottom right corner. If I wanted to start a video hangout right now, 
I can go ahead and click that button, and I'm going to need to invite someone first. So it pops up and says, who, who do you want to invite? And I could, uh, I bet my wife is not going to, I didn't tell her I was going to do this. Um, that's the wrong place, I think. That's the information, isn't it? I have to put her in here. So I could invite my wife. Now, this quiet invitation means it's not going to pop up to, um, to her. I'm going to just go ahead and do this for fun. Um, how do you, you know, join a, a Google Hangout? This is an important question. Um, I have found that the best way is for people to either be in Google+, to have that Google Plus window open, or to be in their Gmail. It'll pop up. Um, they also can be watching the event page. So, you know, I don't think my wife is going to click on this right now. But if she was, uh, you know, in Google Plus or in her mail and had that pop-up link, she could click on it and she could join um, the Hangout. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, these tools and then we'll talk about setting up the Hangout on air. Um, over here at the top, I've got a chat window. So when I am in a Hangout with folks, we can have our own private chat. This is not archived, but it is a nice way for people to share as, we, as folks are talking. If you, if you get more than, you know, even just two or three people, there's a slight, some can be, sometimes be a slight delay, but it's not, it's not that big. But it's, it can be really nice to have a place just to, to share chat. Uh, however, that is not, to my knowledge, archived. It goes away after this window gets closed. So that, there's like lots of issues to this, right? Kids, if my students are doing a Google Hangout, if something inappropriate got shared, you know, would it be archived? I don't think that chat over here on the side um, is archived. But, you know, that's helpful and, and is, is something positive um, that, you can, uh, that you can use. Uh, let's go to the fun stuff, the Google Effects. So you can open up uh, Google Effects, great way to uh, distract <laughs> folks and uh, let people know your true... Googly side. Uh, so there's my headwear, and I certainly need an eye patch. And I think I need a beard. Yes. So you'll notice, even though it's kind of dark, it does a reasonable job tracking and figuring out where my face is. And so, anyway, this is just, you know, this is silliness, but hey, it's fun. Uh, those are called Google effects. Um, on the more serious side, this is the Google Drive icon. So I have access to all of the documents that are on this account, all right, for this school account that I can, that I can share. Uh, if I haven't set one up yet for the Hangout, I can just click Create Shared Notes, and it will share, show my email address to those that are in the Hangout, the ones that are, that are down here. But boom, that's it. We've got a shared document that we can start typing on. Now, what happens more often is... Um, I'll start a, a Hangout and we'll use a document that we've been working on. So um, if I put in EdCamp, for instance, there's an EdCamp happening in Woodward, Oklahoma right now. And if I had a time turner, if you're a Harry Potter fan and know about Hermione Granger, I would use my time turner today to be two places at once. Um, but this, but you know, there are documents that you can, that you can add um, that... Here's the organizer notes. So these are notes from meetings that we've had and things that we've done. And, you know, we just use this as kind of running notes that we share 
And when you're doing that, the, the document is at the top, and then I'm in the. I'm really dark there at the bottom. So if I if I turned on my flashlight, yes, there we are. Be the Blair Witch. This is the Blair Witch Project. Um, you'll see the people's you know video down here at the bottom, and then you'll see the documents down here. And you can turn that off. Um, and uh, go back. If we, we have a connection with other people, Google will, Hangouts will automatically switch in between the person who is talking, and you don't have to, to manually do that. Um, when you create um, a Hangout, and you're doing an on-air Hangout, you have something called the control room, and that allows you to actually uh, switch between cameras. You could have multiple cameras, and some of the fancier Google Hangouts that they're doing from, you know, like the one we saw that guy, the basketball player, and, and you know, things like that. They're not just doing that with a laptop camera. Uh, they're going to use that, the features there in the control room. Um, you can also do a screen share. So you choose what window you would like to share. I can just share my entire desktop. I can start screen sharing. Ooh, and that gets exciting when we're, uh, you know, have the Hangout on there. But whatever I want to share on my desktop, whatever I want to open, and whatever I want to create, if I want to give you a little tutorial about Skitch, one of my favorite apps. I use this all the time to annotate things and mark, mark things up. In fact, yeah, there's one of my, you know, pictures that I got for my presentation. All of this is, is being shared inside the Hangout because I chose to turn on screen sharing. So that is another feature. And then underneath more, um, you can choose to add some other, uh, some other features. There's one called the, the Hangout Toolbox. I guess I haven't added this one in a while. And I think this is the one that lets you put a uh, label underneath yourself so that if you want to... Um, Put a tagline, uh, I'll say Google Hangout Guru Wannabe, all right? Uh, I can turn that on as a lower third, and then, yep, and so now, you know, in the Hangout, everyone's going to see, hey, look, there's Wes. Oh, it doesn't say Wannabe. I'll just say Google Guru Wannabe. How about that? It's in here. You just can't see it. Yeah, let me turn that off and back on. There you go. I'm a Google guru wannabe. Um, so that is, it's sort of like an extension for Chrome when you can add, add something else. All right. So we've got about 10 more minutes. I want to show you the Hangout on Air and a little bit about that. But anybody want to ask a question about what we've kind of talked about so far as far as setting this up? Yes? When you're doing the group, like let's say you have five people, how, does that, how do they show up in that sidebar? They'll be down here at the bottom. So up to 10 people will appear down here at the bottom. Okay. And uh, as, they, as they talk, it will automatically switch to their, their picture. So okay. if, I, if I go to this, this one we were looking at a little bit earlier, um, you're seeing the people oh, there at the bottom. And then, depending on the tool you have selected there on the right, I think he actually did, he was going to share photos. So those were, and those might have been screen captures that he did. But the people are there at the bottom, and unless you choose content on the side, people will, will show up there at the top as they talk. And I don't know what that feature is called, but it's really slick to not have to manually go, oh, now Sarah's going to talk. Oh, no, now Shelly's going to talk. I better switch the camera. It just does it automatically. Woo! It's not magic. It's technology, but it kind of feels that way a little bit. Okay, cool. Other questions about 
the setup or what we've talked about so far? Like I said, we got about nine minutes left. Okay, really quick then, let me talk about the Hangout on Air. Uh, you do not have to include public when you set up a Hangout on Air. I'll call this the GAFE Summit Texas Test. And um, I will, I'll put a link in here. Always copy your links whenever you're putting a link into something. Make sure you get it right. But that way that link will show up uh, along with the other information. This is our test connection. All right? Now, I don't want to do this now. I want to do it later. So that's where I choose that later tab. And I'll get the calendar and we could, you know, set this up for um, July 4th. I bet nobody's doing anything that day. Uh, we'll do it at 11 a.m. and we'll do it for an hour. Um, you choose the audience. So this is where if you've got a circle already created, like um, I created a circle for the Ed Camp Broken Arrow. Come on up to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right outside Tulsa on Saturday, August 9th. We're having a free Ed Camp. So we've had a, a hangout, and I could invite all of those people to come join. Uh, I think I'll just invite my wife right now. Um, and I'll go ahead and click share. You can invite people later. You don't have to have it all set up. But when you do a hangout on air, it gives you this web page. And this web page has the details that you typed in. So when it is, the duration, whatever text, and oh, look at this, the link. And it makes it a hyperlink. So that's where it's great to provide more information. When you invite people, it shows the RSVPs just like it does for the calendar. Who's been invited? Who said they're going to watch? Who said they're not going to come? All of those things show up here. Here's the big thing I learned in the last two weeks. If you want to use the Q&A feature, you click Q&A before you start, and then it turns that feature on basically so you can take questions from the audience and they will pop up right inside your Hangout window. So this is how some folks are doing web shows now, and you can tune in live and give feedback and we'll ask for audience participation, and you can use that Q&A tool. If we were ready to start the Hangout, and it was that time, I, on a laptop or desktop, will, would have to go to this page and click Start. I cannot do this, as far as I can figure out, on my iPhone or on my iPad. I have to do it in a regular browser. But I say, go ahead and start the Hangout. You can require guests to be 18 if you want, and then you can um, choose Skip. And the differences here with the Hangout on Air is that I'm going to have an option after this gets started to go off air to go on air. So what I've usually done with Hangouts is, um, you know, ask everyone to show up 10 or 15 minutes early, and it's like, again, we're, we're gathering backstage before it starts, and everybody, you know, joins the Hangout, and then hopefully at the time we said we're going to start, I click the button, Start Broadcast, and that means other people can watch, and it means what we're doing is recorded directly to YouTube. Um, down here at the bottom, it'll show links, and so you can embed this video on a page on your school website or your classroom homepage. You also have a link to the event in Google+, and a YouTube page, uh, so that people can be watching it directly on YouTube. And I just, I really think it's phenomenal that 
we have this capacity now to archive these and have them immediately available via YouTube. The other thing I've got that's different is I have access to the control room. So for everybody who's in the Hangout, I can choose to turn off their camera. I can choose to mute them. This is ginormous, if I can use that word, because <laughs> if you've ever been in a video conference, you'll know sometimes echo is a, is a big deal. It can be a real problem. So I recommend that you use a headset or use earbuds and that you recommend everybody in the Hangout does that as well. Because what you don't want is to have feedback. And when you're hearing yourself as an echo, it's really irritating. So thankfully, when you do a Hangout on air, the moderator has this control room And you can actually, you know, hit mute and, and you can mute folks. You can also go up to your own controls and you can choose to mute your own microphone, to turn your own um, video off, to adjust your, your bandwidth settings, your volume, things like that. But you've got those controls when you're inside a Google Hangout on air. Any other questions somebody would like to throw out about the Google Hangout on air? When you're doing it live, it will show you below also how many viewers you have, um, which is which is kind of neat. So, do you know anybody who's using this for uh, classroom purposes? Um, Just recording sort of a session and having giving the students the link afterwards. You know, I have have mainly seen you know uses for professional development. Um, I, I'm not. Is anybody else aware? Have you seen seen teachers using? Uh, There's going, to be, there's going to be, you know, similar kinds of concerns about sharing student recordings. So, you know, if your students have permission to share their, their image and share their work, you know, that should cover them on a Google Hangout. But if, if you're in a, a district where, you know, kids have their own Google accounts, um, <laughs> this is like extending the freedom further, right? Now you can, you know, hang out on video with other people and record. And so my experience has been uh, that schools have been, Uh, more hesitant to open that up for students, you know, maybe to open that for teachers, but not for students. Just a couple more things, and then we'll be done. Um, if you want to learn even more, this is another Jenny Majera recommendation. Uh, Ronnie Bincer is the Hangout Helper, and he does have subscriptions for his website, but he also has a bunch of free videos uh, learning about this, and Google Hangouts has changed, you know, just even in the last six months as far as how things are set up. You used to be able to go to your calendar event and join from your calendar, and now it doesn't appear that happens. You have to go to, uh, you have to be, you know, wait, waiting for the invitation, or, you know, you can be on the, the Google Plus page if it's a, a Hangout on air. Last thing I'm going to show you is a, is a pretty powerful video. Um, gosh darn it, I don't think I actually have enough time to do the whole thing. Uh, let me just do at least a little bit of this. This is very powerful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize this. And what this fellow does is he says, you know, I go some amazing places and go for some walks through the woods. And I thought, wouldn't it be tremendous if I could share this with people that will never be able to come to where I'm walking, where I'm, never, where, where I'm paddling? And wouldn't it be amazing if I could be their eyes? And so this project has become an initiative for people around the world to become the virtual eyes of folks who, because they are in a nursing home or because they're disabled in some way or, you know, circumstances, they're not going to be able to travel and go here. And so um, I won't play this whole video, but it's very compelling. It's called Virtual Photo Walks. You can find out about that at virtualphotowalks.org. You could do a virtual photo walk this year 
with one of the parents of one of your kids. You know, we talk about careers and we need to help kids get oriented to what's possible. How are you going to do that? Consider the possibility of having one of your parents connect with you over their phone and being able to show you their place of work. So, in conclusion, your homework is what? You have two pieces of homework. What are they? You do. For the next, but you have a year to do it, right? I want you to do two video conferences. One is what? Scheduled. And yes, you can just go to one the librarian sets up or you can, you know, participate in one that's scheduled. You also, though, need to do at least one that is personal. That family members are fine, right? In fact, they're great. Connect your kids or your grandkids to other relatives because the more we use these tools, the more comfortable we'll become. And I'm not saying everything about this is awesome and wonderful. There are challenges that are presented, you know, by all kinds of technologies. But there, it's very exciting and positive to have our toolkit becoming so robust. Because you don't have to have $8,000 in a Polycom FX unit. And you don't have to have a university T1 connection. Those were so fast back in the day. I mean, you don't have to have these institutional connections in order to be able to not only make video connections, but to archive them, record them, share them. So, go forth and hang out on Google. All right? And enjoy the demo slam. Thank you. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.